Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is Paula fucking Pell. I am so obsessed with Paula Pell. Paula has been around writing for all the funniest shows for many, many years, and lately she has been stepping in front of the camera and just knocking it out of the park with every character she does. You might know her from AP Bio. You might know her from her newest show, Girls 5 Eva. You might know her from little cameo appearances she's made in all your other favorite shows. Today, we're going to talk all about her life as a writer, a performer, and a lesbian today on High Jinx. So buckle up, hunker down, and sink your teeth into some brand new High Jinx. M. Oh. M. Mom. Hello everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by Emmy Award-winning writer, producer, and actor, Paula Pell. Hi, Paula. <laughs> Jinx, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so freaking excited for oh this God. interview. Um, you have just Back been a con- <laughs> you've been a constant mainstay on the television in my house. Um, honestly, we put on best of clips when we've got like ten minutes to kill, or when we're having lunch and we need something funny to watch to get through lunch. Um, let, I don't well, know where to start. Because <laughs> I think you are a fucking talent tornado. Can I say fucking on this podcast? Oh, we we say all the words. Is you got this any... only played in hospital lobbies? <laughs> um, you know. I, I think you're just an absolute incredible talent. And I'm so very honored to be here. Well, thank you so much, Paula. Um, 
you have worked for years as a writer and then somewhat recently though we've seen you you know we've seen you make on-screen appearances throughout your work as a writer but somewhat recently you've really shifted the scale and now you're doing a lot more in front of the camera work um how has that transition been for you has it been fun are there moments you want to go back to the writers room are you still are you still straddling both uh horses (laughs) straddle on them with my little stocky legs um (laughs) i i actually think the reason that i'm acting so much more is that just my hair aged in because when I was young, I played every possible, you know, I was in theater and I got my degree in theater. And then I just always, even when I was little, I play, I just played the old lady in every single production of everything. <laughs> and I, I actually played and someone has a, a movie, you know, like, cause back in the day, the, the movie, it was like a, uh, you know, probably a, celluloid movie or some ancient <laughs> thing but it's of me being the um, mother superior in sound of music and i watched it again somebody sent me like they put it onto a, a vhs and i watched it and i i swear to god i am i i always said i was born at 50 but i was 100 born at 50 because <laughs> i have like zits on my chin on my jawbone and i'm going Maria, you shall be led forth with peace. <laughs> and the heavens will open up. And I'm going, oh, I'm like, guess who's not getting laid in eighth grade? I mean, you shouldn't get laid in eighth grade anyway. But it was, it was just, I was always in every picture. I'm like kind of drunk, like freshman year. I've got like gray spray, everything, always gray spray. I always had gray spray. And and I just always played character roles. It was my favorite yeah. thing, especially in comedy stuff. And uh, I remember doing Death Trap in college and I was Helga Tendor. And it's just like all these characters that are the best characters on earth that yeah. are in things, the broads, you know. And yeah. so I when I got SNL, it was very unexpected that I was because they saw me in something and it was very unexpected that they were asking me to be a writer and I was basically trying to talk them out of it. So <laughs> when I, when I got there and and became a writer, you know, they tell all the writers, like, take your acting hat off. If you were formerly also an actor, because this is, we're here. We want you to be a writer. We have a cast. We want you to write for these cast members. And it isn't, mm-hmm. you know, they, they make sure that people don't come in just with the expectation immediately of like, I'm going to, Work I'm gonna and, pull a Tina Fey. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna all about even, or I'm gonna like, you know, uh, just kind of be lurking in the shadows and be like, oh, you don't have anyone for that one line. Well, I can do that line. And uh, and so you know, and I was just such a like good Catholic girl, so I wasn't. I was not going to go in and and rip shit through and and take anyone's part, but. I did. I was a good girl when it came to like rules, when people said like, don't do this. So I just took that hat off for so long. And I got to where if I did have a line in the monologue, because sometimes I would be in the monologue. And mm-hmm. when I had a line, I would, I would shit myself. I would shit my dress every <laughs> single time I had a line because it's like 5 million people live and yeah. you have one line, you know, and I feel like, <laughs> I, don't know about, I don't know about you, but 
I find it easier to do an entire monologue than a line. I'm more confident doing a whole monologue. Because you, you get actually, to go on a journey. Yes, yeah. And you take, you take, and every minute as you're doing it, you're kind of charging yourself up and then you have this powerful uh-huh. feeling. But when yeah. you have that one line and you fuck it up, you, you can lay there for <laughs> 10, 10 weeks or 10 months or 10 years and go, I can't believe I did it. I had that one line, you know? So, yeah. so I, the other thing was that all these friends of mine that I started with, you know, I started in 95 there and I was there for almost 20 years and all the people that, that ended up being wildly successful that started either after I was there or they had these shows of their own. And, and so then mm-hmm. they started asking me very, you know, in a quiet little way, like, do you want to play this little part this week on, on Parks and Rec or, or this part mm-hmm. on, um, you know, 30 Rock? <laughs> And when I started doing that, I I just started very slowly getting my confidence again because I was a very confident, not afraid of theater. I I would go and be joyful, and I'd love it and write in my journal and go, I'll sh- I shall never forget this day. I used to say in my journal, I shall never forget this day. Um, and uh, and then I eat seven pizzas and masturbate. But I, I was really an, a very old soul, very old soul. So now I just feel like I just caught up with my soul because my soul was so old. So long that, answer. That makes a lot of sense. Have you, um, it just feels like someone saw something in you early on and said, oh, I better get her writing for us because she's going to take off like a rocket ship if, if we don't tether her down. Um, that's of course we have to break teasing this because woman's confidence so she never wants to go on stage. <laughs> I was trying to put it softer, um, but we know the industry, it's cutthroat. Um, I think it's just so cool seeing you step into this prime. And I've been, you know, you said little part on Parks and Rec. It was Ron's mom. We oh had waited. It was Ron's mom. I think at that point was that season three we had waited three seasons to meet this woman and do you know it's one of those performances where i had to go back and realize it was you where i had seen (laughs) that so much crazy makeup oh yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) oh my god i had so much fun doing that and you know i i recently did a, a job this month in atlanta and i I got so nervous do, going to do it because I realized that I have had the pleasure of of working with my friends for so many yeah. years that you're just much less nervous when you walk onto a set and you're doing something with your friends, no matter what it is. And yeah. I, I just people that I've known or even if they weren't friend friends, they were just people that I'd, I'd known over the years. So it, there was yeah. a comfort there. And this was like one of those few times that I just walked onto a set where I'm like, new girl, you know, like, hi, I'm Paula. Hi, I'm Paula. And then I'm like, I'm talking too much, you know, where you just terrorize yourself and you scrutinize every single thing you say. Um, I, I do that in, okay. I've heard you say a handful of things where I'm just like, that sounds like my brain talking. uh, I have to ask, I don't know. I don't know, but when's your birthday? I don't know how you feel about astrology and all of that. I but love it. I, I don't know that much about it, but I love it, uh-huh. and I I love it. I am I am <laughs> April fifteenth. April fifteenth. Um, I think that's a. Is that a? I'm Aries. Or? I'm Aries. Aries. <laughs> yeah. I could have just asked you. <laughs> Aries. Yeah. Um, 
Aries, I would not have pegged you for a fire sign. You must got something else in your chart. I have something um, else and I can't remember, I can't remember it. what it is, <laughs> but I've been I've been trying to to learn a little bit more. I had my numbers done last year at a like a weekend with my friends that for somebody's uh-huh. birthday and they did it as kind of one of our little activities and it was really interesting. It was all about that. You'll know more about it, but like um, the three eras of my life and how like yeah. the, every 30 years and I'm now, cause I'm, I'm going to be 60 <laughs> in, um, a few months, April. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so it, it's, it's really weird how like my first 30 years, then I got SNL and then my second 30, it, it, everything is really amazing how it, it does go in those little quadrants, you know, yeah. where you, you have a mind blow and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, either change or realization or, or finding your voice or all those things that happen. Yeah. But I, I love astrology. I wish I knew more about it. I live in such a witchy place now. I really want to know more <laughs> about all of it, you know, just really all of it. I just wonder if you have some Virgo in you because, well, then, then I'm like, is that the Virgo talking? Um, when I hear the things that, um, that you say that remind me of myself, I have to ask, is that the Virgo talking or do we both, um, have OCD tendencies? Um, (laughs) (laughs) is it, uh, our, our birthday or is it just extreme social anxiety? Um, Yeah, no, I have, I have a lot of, I have a lot of anxieties and, uh, I, I'm weirdly not anxious about some things and that I, I was just uh, laughing the other day about that one of my friends said that during 9-11, because I was in New York at the time, during 9-11, I like had people come over to our house, our apartment and like comfort people and everything. But if I spill my Coke like on my side table, like <laughs> I have a nervous breakdown, like or, you know, <laughs> I will say, though, I and it's been thanks to many, many years of therapy and just mm-hmm. living and living through hell of heartbreaks and all different things. But I uh, I in my late 50s. I have really take like really settled into my bones in a really good way yeah. in terms of worrying. I still worry about a lot of things, but mm-hmm. the worrying of um of what people think of me or like that people are uh, talking about, you know, like I said something and then that bugged them and then they're they're pissed at me and all oh, that yeah. stuff. I have I just have I have let all of that just wash away. Like, yeah. it's, I, it's a beautiful thing. I have been, you know, for a long time, that has been something I dealt with where I could have a perfectly pleasant experience with someone. And then yes. I go home and I start replaying little moments oh, in my, my mind. God. Yes, yes, yes. And I analyze it and I find, and what I talked about with my therapist is that I'm giving myself the villain edit when I go back over these things. I'm playing the scary music. I'm playing, I'm like zooming in on people having like a tiny reaction to things. And then I would convince myself that I have all these things to apologize for. And it might even go as far as me like texting the host of the party and bringing up some tiny minuscule moment that no one remembers. I am also through therapy, also um, through... I'm staying on my meds and drinking plenty of Diet Coke. Happy um, maracas. <laughs> um, 
I'm at a very good place right now, and I've created a mantra for myself that's helping with that, and it is, you can't argue with a standing ovation, because, oh. and it can apply to anything, that's but- so there, good. I started saying this to Dela, um, Ben de Cram, and I do our holiday tour. Don't worry, you're invited. We'll have seats for you. I'm um, so excited. <laughs> if we get off stage from a standing ovation, and if Dela or I even begin to start going like, um, this part could have been better, we always have to say, okay, we'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll give notes tomorrow. But right now, you can't argue with a standing ovation. Oh, that's so good. That's so, so good. And I'll take that, like, um, I've been applying it to everything lately. Like, I had an audition that went really well. The casting director, like, walked me to the elevator and said, that was great, Jinx. You really, you, you should feel good about yourself. And I was like, that's my standing ovation for this thing. So I'm yes. not going to go back to my hotel room and think about any tiny little right. moment that went no. weird. I'm going to focus on that one moment that was my standing ovation and decide not to argue with that. So yeah, the replay. <laughs> and you know, for all those years I was at SNL, I used to be in there with the auditions mm -hmm. and then we'd go and discuss things. And I, I always try to remind myself that when I was in those auditions discussions, mm -hmm. there would be people that were really funny and perfectly great. And like, they did a great job but there just was some, some reason, like you never know in life what, mm -hmm. whether it's someone you're interested in, whether it's an audition, whether it's anything, you know, trying to get a job interview, whatever it is, is you have no fucking idea, like what really was talked about. And a therapist told me years ago, which I hated her at the time and called her many <laughs> names, but I was, I have struggled many times with depression, anxiety when I was younger. And I went into like a, um, an outpatient treatment program for a couple months. And, and it was like intense therapy every day with a couple different therapists. And this therapist one day said to me, you're not that important. And I was so fucking pissed at her. And it, it really truly is one of my mantras now, because I think <laughs> that anxiety, that anxiety of doing it badly, or I disappointed mm -hmm. someone at a party, or I said something that took, they took offense, or I, you know, yeah. didn't show up somewhere and they, they got their feelings hurt or whatever it is. It's like everyone's living their lives. Nobody really cares. And yeah. we, I always think that someone is in a room with my headshot and a pointer <laughs> and they're going this cunt, like, you know, <laughs> supposed to, you know, it's like, no, actually no one is talking about me. Yeah. And it's refreshing because then you can just go live your life and find your own joys. And, and then when they do talk about you joyously, like you said, don't, don't argue with, um, yeah. your standing ovation. Yeah. I was just talking and I felt like a piece of food came out of my mouth. Like <laughs> I, I knew the, exactly I, what was happening. <laughs> like I'm at the home and something fell out and was hanging on my lip. Nana, Nana, Nana coughed up some corn. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I love knowing. Um, I love learning more about your your theater background because one of my favorite characters that I've seen you do. Um, it's another thing I just watched once more. <laughs> My husband hadn't seen it, and I knew it was right up his alley. Um, on the series documentary now, you do um, a parody of Elaine Stritch in the mm-hmm. documentary about company. There's the there's these scenes with Elaine Stritch just having a meltdown, and it's kind of hard to understand what she's upset about, but she's upset, <laughs> and and it's ruining take after take. And documentary now turned it into <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. You oh do God. this performance so well. It's like I would call it drag, except for that it's so subtly on the mark. It's so like subtle about how perfect it is. It's not trying too hard to show you what it is. It just is the thing it's supposed to be. Oh my God. Well, thank you. That's the brilliance of of uh of that gang that that wrote that that piece of pure art, you know, um, <laughs> it, it's just, I, it, it could not have been more of just like handing me solid gold, delicious something to do. And we did it so fast. I, you know, I'm doing girls five ever with Renee Goldsberry now, and she was in that with me. And, and when, um, and I had met her once before when we did sisters. So I hadn't seen her in years. And when we got there, they gave us all the music. <laughs> We were like learning the music kind of on files and emails. But like when we got there, we really like started singing through the music and we were whispering in the back. We're like, is there going to be a teleprompter? Because (laughs) this music, because it was the most intricate Sondheim-esque music. And we had two days to learn it and (laughs) and shoot it, you know, in Portland. And um, so it was it was such a, a unbelievable delight and Richard Kind makes me laugh harder than anybody on the earth and um so I just I just love doing it but it also reminded me so much of you know I grew up in theater but I didn't you know I did I just happened to be in one of those little catholic schools that had like an incredible little theater department yeah. they had a they had a band when we did musicals they had costume department like we we really did full-scale musicals when I was like in grade school you know and I mean Oklahoma and all of them we did all the classics and um, you know I I went to a high school that was known for its theater program mm-hmm. and um, I often would say things like we did full scale <laughs> and musicals. I can't I can't remember who said this, but someone said to me recently, yeah, yeah, every every actor says their high school or middle school or wherever did full-scale musical productions. And then they said, have you ever gone back and watched any of those things? And I watched myself in Wizard of Oz and I was like, this is oh what God. I was boasting about at this party last night. My high school did a full-scale. And I'm watching watching myself in my own, like, drag wig because the costume. (laughs) And the little cardboard trees. And I'm like, oh, Oh, my God, I was bragging about this. 
you you keep I think my thing was that the music was so good. And uh-huh. maybe it was because uh-huh. I was came from a Catholic school where we were always in choir. We were always in church and in choir. So everyone mm-hmm. knew how to harmonize. Yeah. So like the And those members, religious schools, they got money. Yeah, they got some money. Jesus. I mean, <laughs> so many of my smart the basket. Went- yeah. <laughs> you're putting enough in the basket. They got to be putting it somewhere, you know. Um, so many of my there's... smart friends who are agnostic now went to religious high schools because their parents knew those schools got the money and they got all the good stuff. <laughs> well, what was always so weird was it was, you know, it, they were these small little, you know, Midwestern Catholic schools that that you know we did the play in the auditorium. I mean, it wasn't large scale. (laughs) No, I believe you. Like I remember Music Man, like at the end of Music Man, like a full band coming in with playing the band, and it sounded good on the video, you know. But um, but when I look back on it, like there was nothing fancy about our school. Like I mean, we had bag lunch and we had nothing. It was not a high end, you know, wealthy people school at all. But they just prioritized all the Mm. music and the choir. And like, I just was very lucky when I was growing up to have people that that wanted to do all that. And then we my sister and I got the bug and forget it. We just couldn't we couldn't do enough. And then when I was in college, I went to University of Tennessee, Knoxville. And when I was in college, their college program had a pro company that would come and do a repertory So we would understudy them and get equity points. So by the time you graduated from college, you had usually your union card for for theater. And I worked with a woman who someday, someday I will I will write a write a a one one woman show about her or a two woman show and you and I will split it and we'll have an intermission <laughs> in the middle. And her, her, she was actually a, she used to be on another world. Her name was Ann Meacham and she was Tennessee Williams muse. And she was this, by the time I worked with her, she was in the line in winter and I understudied her and I was like, you know, 20, 21. And mm-hmm. um, she was this old theater broad that used to be on a soap opera, but she was a theater person originally. And th- she was almost blind and they built her a dressing room right next to the stage. And they said, Paula, would you be also her dresser? So I was her <laughs> understudy and her dresser. And she was a little bit difficult, but she was, <laughs> she was so everything that I've ever wanted in my life to be around, which was just the theater broad extraordinaire mm-hmm. like yeah. you know she would she would not get along with the younger actors in the show they were all <laughs> like young soap actors being an asshole to her and she'd rush back into the dressing room and go <laughs> i hate them all and then she'd look and she'd go but i love you paula <laughs> and i would just she took my dog one time and put his face in her makeup mirror and she said spike you are a terrier <laughs> It was like just that kind of woman that you were just like at the edge of your seat, just like, please suckle me, suckle me (laughs) or let me suckle you, not suckle me, let me suckle you. Um, But, but I, so many of my, I think voices in my head and I, I Uh feel like I immediately loved everything that you did when I saw you perform, because I just know that I know that 
broad inside <laughs> you that is so in the wheelhouse of my broads inside me. And that's, um, I mean, I, I, I feel like we must be um, drawing from a lot of similar inspirations because yes. the reason why I started drag and what drew me to it is I just have always loved that brassy Broadway, the the grand dom of the theater, you know, and sometimes she's in your face. Sometimes she's a mama rose and sometimes Uh, she's a little more buttoned up, but she's still running the show. She gives and takes the love. You know, it's like, I hate (laughs) you, but I love you. You know, it's, (laughs) it's just all those ladies back, you know, all the Betty Davis and all the, just where you were Mm -hmm. like, you want to go like smoke a cig with them and hear every story and just, uh, yeah, I, I feel like those are the people that, so when they gave me that documentary role, like I just, I just about nearly died because I loved Elaine Stritch so much. And I loved, I loved that funny. And I grew up with a lot of funny women, but they were more Midwestern funny. And my mom is 85 and she's super dry and funny. And my dad's hilarious, but like, I love, I love those theater broads, man. I, I just, I just love them. You, every facial expression in that sketch Uh, is so perfect. uh, Every moment, the first moment it cuts to you wearing that little hat and that little spiky gray wig. It's just so perfect. And that Um, was such a shake and go wig. That, that wig was just like something that comes, comes uh, free in a box of detergent in the 1950s. Um, uh, I loved, I loved, um, I love that, you know, she was going to the eye doctor. I just, cause that, that just gave me so much <laughs> That's like parameter to go off. Like when we were improvising and stuff, I just, just really go off on the eye doctor. It was, and that's what made it meta is that she had somewhere she had to be, <laughs> which is, and, and that's like a, Oh God, it's meta because there's layers to this. It's like many of us have been on set where we think we're going to be in and out or we think we're going to be done early in the day and something goes wrong and you're there all fucking day and night. So there's that layer. Then there's the layer that she has a previous engagement that she already got cleared. And so she does have to leave and she had to leave hours ago. (laughs) Just about what was already signed off on. And you then the love... song is called I uh, Gotta Go. So uh, she's what I love about your performance is it feels like it feels like she's getting reminded every time she has to sing the words <laughs> I gotta go, she gets reminded that she does indeed have to go. And she knows if she gets frustrated and messes up this take, she's gonna have to stay longer. But the anger is boiling inside her so to to ask her to sing those words. Oh my God. You're so, you're so 100% correct. It's like, <laughs> it's like a cruel trick to, to, uh, to give her the lyrics. I gotta go when you're denying that she can go. You know what I loved so much about the documentary that that was based on with the real mm-hmm. Elaine Stritch is the whole, t- the whole, the whole reason I, it's just kind of occurring to me now is mm-hmm. the difference between in show business, like TV and movies, you know, actors are, and I, I think I used to think of this a lot when we'd have a host that was like a TV actor versus someone who originally had been in theater mm-hmm. is that I grew up, you know, doing theater. I mean, full scale musicals <laughs> early no, I'm just but like I grew up doing theater where we get like an hour's worth of notes after 
a dress mm-hmm. rehearsal. Like you'd mm-hmm. get notes upon notes upon notes upon notes. And that's what you do. And it was exciting. It was like, oh, what? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll work on that. Yes, I'll do. And then when I started having hosts at SNL that would come and and they only had done TV or they'd only mm-hmm. done TV and movies that could not handle it. They could not handle even who knows without getting in yeah. their head, getting freaked out. Well, why do you not like this? Like they would, they had no skill set, you know, no skill set whatsoever because they had never done anything in theater. And the thing I love about theater is it's just so raw and truthful. And like the directors mm-hmm. will just scream from the, you know, from the <laughs> house of like, terrible you know and i feel like (laughs) when you look at sondheim in that where they're just being kind of brutal with her about her being disappointing like you're being disappointing and she's going in the spiral but there was something about that documentary every time i watch it the real one that i i always say like it feels like Elaine knew she was going to pull it out of her ass at the end for sure. And she wanted the experience of that. She wanted to fail, climb, and then wow. Like I, I'm going to deeply disappoint you. Then I'm going to get pissed about it. Then I'm going to leave and I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to come back powdered up and I'm going to kill you and make Save you cry. Save the day. Yeah. yeah. And do you know, have you listened to um, Elaine's... Uh, one woman show at Liberty. Yes I, yes, I loved it. I I have so many times listened to it just from start to finish, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's one of those rare things where you can just listen to the audio of it and you can see it all playing out yes. in your head, and the punchlines and even the visual cues where you know it was a visual cue. Yes, but you can imagine what the visual was. It's just so captivating, Ugh. and. After having listened to that many times, I I would agree with you that this would this probably see and there are cameras on her. We can't yes. forget that there were cameras yes. on her. So and I what I loved about <laughs> and I tried to capture as a little bit because I was doing kind of an homage to her, but I was also not you know I don't look like mm-hmm. I mean we were we were kind of swimming around all of those characters kind of but but I, one thing I wanted to really capture with her is she she was so vicious but vicious about herself so i was yeah. trying to do those like god damn it like that god damn it and and where people like they have a sense of humor about themselves but then when they're failing they're so mean to themselves and so yeah. you know and i feel like there's no fragile egos in a way because everyone is kind of being vicious to each other and then laughing and going <laughs> and having dinner at joe you know joe allen or something and so I, I love that model in interacting in show business is like leaving like the best hosts that ever hosted in my memory had a great uh, sense of humor about themselves. So if yeah. you w- w- wrote the monologue with them and you're like, we want to make fun of this. This is your thing that everyone is teasing you about. We want to make fun of that. And they're like, awesome. That's great. And they would have the best show ever because they're Mm -hmm. making fun of themselves from the very beginning of the show. And they're going, I'm an idiot. I'm an asshole. I'm a jerk. I'm a this. (laughs) And, and the everyone, you know, I have, my boobs are too big, my, whatever it is. And people would laugh. And the ones that came in very tight, very like, well, I don't want to make fun of that because that's not true. Like Mm -hmm. fragile ego, little, you know, they always failed because nobody wants to be the only ones sitting there going like they don't even seem like they're having fun, you know. 
Yeah. You know, that's been my number one. I I enjoy Jennifer Lopez, the human being. Yes. But I have noticed this trend that <laughs> I wonder is something in her contract or something. But I have never seen Jennifer Lopez play a character that had any discernible flaws that were her fault. Uh, and I got it. It's a consistent trend I've seen in what acting roles I've seen her in. The only, Mm -hmm. I think that the exception that makes the rule is the movie The Cell. Because I I can't remember The Cell well enough, but it's a horror movie, so I'm sure. Oh, I don't think, I didn't see that. (laughs) It was not a great movie. (laughs) I I regularly watch The Boy Next Door or whatever it's called. the, (laughs) The one where she's banging her uh son's friend from in high school <laughs> that tries to kill her that one is is a fantastic movie um i i noticed uh, when i saw monster in law um i i was uh, this is where my theory began and it was when she said we're going to have a non-denominational wedding. Um, <laughs> and she said it in this way that was not ironic. It was sincere, but in a tone of voice that like was like, but that had to have been a joke. Wait, wait, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> it was just the way, oh, we're going to have a non-denominational wedding. But it was like supposed to be her like hero line. And I was like... Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And then meanwhile, Jane Fonda's playing mega bitch in yeah, the opposite corner. <laughs> Not, you know, the, the parts that like I, I lost, I lost uh, almost, a, I lost a hundred pounds basically three times in my twenties. And I was always big and I always played the character roles. And then I just kept, I kept doing these massive weight losses. And then I would get like to be 114 pounds with no boobs. And I had no personality and no humor. And it was just like <laughs> this little shell. But the parts I would get or try out for at that time were the very, like the hero sort of mm-hmm. earnest. And I was like, this is very boring. <laughs> like none <laughs> of this is fun to play, you know? Yeah. That's why I refed myself in <laughs> my, my size yet again. I went into a refeeding mode. Um, <laughs> the feed bag years. But um yeah, I I think I think that it's always more fun to be the super flawed one. That's always my favorite yeah. thing to play. Always is yeah. the flawed one. want to talk about Girls 5 Eva because we have watched every episode twice in this household. <laughs> and now there's new people. Um, like my husband has yet to see every episode. So this is like certain episodes we're now seeing for the third time. Um, we, the, are you, a, you're a writer as well on Girls 5 Eva or are I'm, you strictly I'm not actor? a writer. I'm not a writer on it. Um, I, you know, occasionally will, lend a whisper a line a little. For, for my <laughs> for my part i don't you know i don't uh-huh. ever like suggest lines for other actors but i definitely have just thrown things in there with the approval of meredith scardino <laughs> um and uh it's it's really one of those things where they've handed me these scripts that are so full of jokes and so full of funny things for my mm-hmm. character and for just the whole show that it, it's 
so fun to do because I have, like you were asking, how do they compare writing and acting? And and uh, this is not besmirching in any way actors because acting takes skill and and uh, you do it, you know, it takes school skill and courage and, mm-hmm. and the brain work and all those things and talent. But um, writing is really hard. <laughs> and writing, writing very it, hard. <laughs> writing is like the being the grown up and and acting is being the the you know the young person. Yeah, like you yeah, get yeah. to have the joy and the release and all those things. And if it's a good thing, I mean, obviously some people have bad experiences in their acting job where it's like torture and awful to them. But usually, you know acting especially in comedy is just like a complete romp of joy and release and yeah. writing is always like you're you're really close to having a, a vowel event and absolutely you, and it's just nervous <laughs> nervous nervous always it's never done it never feels right it never you know you hate starting it you hate finishing it or you hate getting notes all the things and every writer you ever talk to like they've written books about how much they hate writing and they're still <laughs> writing. So writing is a very, a very hard thing um, when it comes to all that. So the last couple of years that I've been able to kind of, I'm returning to my writing now a lot more, but for a while there, I just kind of laid it all down and I was like, <laughs> cool, I'll do this and let someone put moisturizer on my face and trim my <laughs> eyebrows that get out of control after seven days. Um, but yeah, it's a lot harder. It makes me wonder because, um, I was watching an interview with you on Seth Meyers, um, talking about, you know, in season two of Girls 5 Eva, your character has a knee replacement and Mm -hmm. this was mirroring, um, an experience you actually had in your life working on that show. Mm -hmm. And then you're also talking to me about, you know, like you hit 50, you feel like you've hit your soul age. You're having this, um, um, (laughs) all I can hear is rekindling (laughs) from girls. But you're having this, you're having this Renaissance era moment for yourself. Um, is it fun getting to play a character that's like paralleling your own life and is kind of being shaped by your own experiences? Or does that feel like, oh, great, anything that happens to me now, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to have to. Well, I was <laughs> turn I into was a really, funny joke. <laughs> yeah, no, I was really. Oh, I'm the queen of like mining my own life for any comedy I can possibly like anything always in my life, even back when I was just writing, I would love if something fucked up happened because I'm like, thank you for this gift. You know, thank you, the heavens, for this gift that I can now use in a, in a script. Um, uh, one being that I put in Sisters that we cut, this is just a random one that flew in my head, <laughs> is that one time when I was very drunk and this person was very drunk and I was going down Penis Avenue for a year in between my girlfriends, <laughs> I um, gave someone a, a, a jawbone blowjob under my jawbone because I didn't want to give them a blowjob. So I, um, I'm a gagger. And so I gave them a blowjob like under my jawbone. So I put that in sisters. It was in there for a while and then it got cut. They were like, I don't think the blowjob, the jawbone blowjob. But anyway, I love putting specifics from my experiences in my life. And I've always done that and I've always loved doing it. And I've loved writing my family members into characters. And I love, you know, so with Girls 5 Eva, it was not only Meredith who 
I didn't know that well, um, the creator of it. I didn't know her that well, but I knew her adjacent to Tina, who I knew so well that that Meredith had always been like her favorite, favorite. Like she loves Meredith's writing so much. And and she's worked for Tina for so with Tina for so long and for Tina. And so I trusted them. Like if they do something and use things from my life, they're not gonna um <laughs> They're not going to, you know, do anything that that is either hurtful to anyone in my life or anything. But mm-hmm. I was just so grateful because I called them crying my eyes out when I found out that my because I had two knee replacements five years ago and then one of them collapsed. And so yeah. they said, we're going to have to do a whole new knee replacement. So I I called them in tears because we just had our first season. It was such a big, you know, success. And then we're getting just ready in a m- two months to start our new, new season and here I'm going to be like down for the count for a while. And they were so funny because they were like, Paula, this is the most uh, Gloria specific, <laughs> like that your knee replacement collapsed and we'll have you do it when you're doing a big dance move, you know? And um, so it was really fun to have that safety of knowing that mm-hmm. I didn't fuck up anything, but they also used it for comic material, you know, because I... Yeah have to take all these drug pain medication <laughs> and I'm tripping and, you know, so they, they did a great job incorporating it and I'm going to try not to give them any more things like that, that are <laughs> catastrophic, but, um, I still, you know, they still like to sort of mine, mine, my, uh, personal life sometimes just cause Tina also knows all my stories from the last, you know, 40 years, thir- well, she's known <laughs> me like 25 years. So, yeah. I um I've been venturing into stand up comedy lately and Yay! I had this realization um stepping off stage one night I was like I'm really lucky all those fucking crazy things happened to me or I wouldn't have any material for sure <laughs> and, no it's a gift and now here I am I'm I'm 35 I'm married I um don't drink and things are going pretty all right. And I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to joke about in the next five years? I got to go like I got to have a relapse and have like a crazy week in Vegas so that I can write the next show. Because everything you described about writing being difficult is, um, you know, it's why when Dela and I work together, I pretty much don't write anything alone because mm-hmm. I can't self-motivate. I can... Yeah. What's funny is I can get in front of an audience, nothing prepared, and talk for 40 minutes about nothing. And be hilarious, by the and way. And be hilarious. But then hopefully someone is willing to transcribe it and write it down because I'll right. never motivate myself. Right. It's like, to... I hope someone was recording this. <laughs> yeah. So with um, with writing with Ben Delacreme, um uh, she's very much, uh, she's very much the boss in that, in that writing room, but it really, really works for us. Cause, um, you know, I can't lead the charge as well as she can, but then she gets to these roadblocks and then my crazy brain thinks of the most obscure way out of that. And then sometimes we take that route and sometimes we fa- find a new route when we've combined yeah. our two ideas together. 
But it is very satisfying because of how hard it is. It's very satisfying then when you have a script and then you've performed it in front of an audience a few times, you cut the fat, you, you lean into what's working, you swap something out. And then when you have that script that you're really, really proud of and you're like, I can't wait to tour this fucking script. Oh, it's so exciting. It's so satisfying to your soul. And I look back and I think, you know, my... 30 something year old self when I got asked to be a writer on this dream show that I had always dreamt of being on as an actor. Like I, I, I look back on it. I'm like, it was the greatest gift ever is to be able to learn how to be a comedy writer because, because you really do make it more authentic to you. Like you're not, you know, people that don't write and their actors really are like having to be whatever people are offering to them or not offering to them. Mm -hmm. And, and it's hard enough to get jobs in this, in this business and for us to be able to create our own content, but it be so Mm -hmm. close to our souls. Like it's such a, such a genuine direct voice coming out from the depths of our bones. You know, Um, it's funny that you said, like you guys are such a good, like, alchemy with each other in terms of that because I've had that before and Janine and I you know she's a comedy writer and a performer and and we're writing a movie right now and Janine and I are like because she's just a much more motivated person in terms of like Mm -hmm. getting things done and like keeping track of things and all this I thought that she would be one of those people that could be my boss to like go okay let's get this done (laughs) and we're very similar in our, in our delay <laughs> tactics. And it's really bad. It's like, <laughs> we we go like snail slow because we're just like, okay, today we definitely, we should definitely later work on the outline <laughs> yeah. for that. We should definitely, do you want to go over and, and uh, look at that one store over and that like, we'll figure out <laughs> any possible thing, you know, I want to yeah. go to the bank today and get, get some, you know, <laughs> it's just like a money order for some random thing. Like we'll figure out anything we can to oh. avoid sitting down and writing. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good at it. That's why I need someone there to, it's more so that I don't want to disappoint the other person I'm working with. So yes. I'll work better yes. because I don't want this person to lose faith in me. But when I'm alone, like if, if I'm home alone and everyone's out and I've got nothing but time to work on my writing yeah. project, I will do, I will do the chores that have been put off for months before I'll sit down and write. No, I, I just got back. I just got back from Atlanta, and right, right as I got home here, I found out one of my castmates uh, just tested positive for COVID, and I was like, uh, "So I had all these plans this weekend. I was gonna, you know, go with my wife out to dinner, and we were gonna like go just have fun, and because I've been gone for like almost a month, and all this, and so we're like, oh, we're kind of stuck here, and I'm masking when I'm around her, and I'm just kind of." in the solitary world. And I remember getting back home and being like, okay, well, this is it. This is when I get the script done. This is when we get the the writing three days ago, like still not a word, (laughs) not a word written. So full of shit. 
I, I, I talk about it a lot and I really feel this way watching Girls 5 Eva. And I think I'm of, of the cast. I am most familiar with you and Busy Phillips. And so for me as a longtime fan of both of you, it's very exciting. And all the, all the cast members are great. It's just a wonderful ensemble and everyone plays their role so beautifully. Um, but it's, it's very exciting to see such a cool part written for you and to see you know you getting to play things that are authentic for you because I think that authenticity is what's really resonating with audiences right now and that's why those moments like the lesbian love ballad rekindling of watching you two walk in the and, and and your wife plays your ex in the show and and watching you draw that owl I mean there's just it's like I don't think that's your personal life, but seeing you do material that obviously means something to you and oh, yeah. it, it just with like an ease and a comfort and just like a joy. It's just like, it's a yeah. really fun show to watch because it's hilarious, but it's also poignant and, and authentic. <laughs> well, I love, I love the idea in that show. I'm happy to hear that it resonates because I think what we're all in love with and, you know, like none of us created it. So we're, we can be madly in love with it without, uh, <laughs> out, out serving, without jerking uh, yourself off too jerking much. Jerking ourselves you know? <laughs> off is, is to just, is, is just the camaraderie and the feeling of trying to have that second chapter in your life, you know, because mm -hmm. I feel like so many people get to that point where all of a sudden they're like, Oh, what, what used to light me up doesn't light me up. And what, you know, yeah. and, and I'm going to do the practical thing and I'm going to do the, that. And we always said that like my character, the minute our pop, our pop group, when we were young, you know, hit the, hit, hit the, the shitter, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to be a dentist because the income yeah. is good. I get benefits. I was like very practical about like, I'm going to, you know, I'm good with my hands and like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this and didn't look back. But then that, that end of the first season where they get to perform, where they just go, we got to do that. This is us. This is, mm -hmm. this is what we were meant to be doing on this earth. And it was a weird parallel to me to perform again because yeah, I, I get such a rush from performing. And and so when I was playing that poignant part of it where it's like, I want to feel you know, like in when I say, you know, what's this feeling? What's this feeling? Oh, the last time I had this is when this girl in my school brought a fat kitten. It's called joy. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. it, it's just it's like you you forget. My therapist said one time that I love so much is she said. Um, you know, that adults can't access, they, they can't, they, they lose their vocabulary and their ability to access like nervousness. It's called nervousness and stress when it's excitement. It, they can't call it excitement. So you go, how are you doing? And it's like, I have a one woman show I'm doing. It's like, oh, it's really stressful. It's really, oh, are you excited about it? Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about <laughs> yeah. it. You know, it's just, it's everyone has to, as an adult, kind of cover that they're like a little kid that's excited about these yeah. new things they're doing. And I really felt that when she said that to me. And I always think of that in these characters is like that we're finally admitting that, like, this 
makes us happy. Like we want to do this. It's exciting and fun. And yeah, it's stupid and impractical and all those things. But um, the other fun thing is, you know, hilarious thing is that I sing with these people who have the most otherworldly voices. And like, you know, I have a B minus voice and I can harmonize really well. One of my skills is I can jump in and harmonize to pretty much anything. I have a good ear for that, but a good blending ear. But when it comes to like my voice, so they send me the the files because we learn a lot of the a lot of the songs before we go record. We because of COVID and everything, we've done it a mm-hmm. lot of separately. So they'll have a song, you know, like why don't we bend so we don't break? Why don't we leave? And then the and then I click the Paula one for Gloria. And it's like, <laughs> why don't we bend so we don't break? Why don't we leave on each other to carry the weight? It's all alto lines. It's like, let's keep her down there where she can kind of just settle in and stay well, on stay on the notes. The magic of TV, though, because um <laughs> There's there's just so many funny bits that like uh, that's why I, I love as someone who grew up, you know, focused on the theater and then now gets to experience working in film and TV. Yeah, it really is. Um, they're such separate beasts and they have such different payoffs. Yeah. Um, and there's so many, you know, there's so many things you you need the magic of film to pull off. And so it's 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 just a, it's a joyful show to watch. It's it makes me think about I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, probably the deep dive. But um, uh, they were talking about oh, we've been trauma bonding for so long because of covid and, and the state of the world. And we forgot to joy. We forgot how to joy bond as well. Like oh, that we can so also true. bond with people through joy. And oh, I think that our media that. is really reflecting that like granted, we just had all these new fantasy shows <laughs> do their new releases. And so there's a lot of drama as well, Yeah, but I'm seeing a big influx in just joyful, even in reality, TV, just joyful yes. things like that show. Is it a cake? Like <laughs> that show? It's just uh, let's put on a couple episodes of Is It a Cake and sit around and guess if it's oh a cake God, or yes. not. Why not well, you just know, have ca- some fun? You know, <laughs> you know, writers. Also, we spend so many years in writer with writing where we try to scrutinize. Like, is this? too silly is this too yeah. dumb is this too and janine and i were just talking about this the other day that like some of our favorite thing i mean i did the show mapleworth murders on uh quibi that's on roku now the episodes are on roku but i play you know it's a parody of murder she wrote and mm-hmm. it is like by far this one of the most ridiculous <laughs> like uh, hudson valley ballers that i did Th- those two are like just fe- fever dreams of silly ridiculousness <laughs> and when i look back on that now it's just like those are the times where you go i cannot believe that i'm getting a paycheck to do this <laughs> ridiculous batshit thing that is so dumb but it's funny dumb like there can yeah. be deeply funny dumb like that is my oh. that's my specialty deeply How- funny dumb Half of um, Dela and I, when we say that half of our ideas, like our 
ideas that we're extremely proud of started with one of us making the stupidest suggestion in the world. Yes. And stupidity sometimes leads to brilliance. And sometimes stupidity just stays stupidity and it's still great. (laughs) Well, it's inclusive. Stupidity is inclusive because everyone can join in, you know, and and sometimes really ultra smart comedy or conceptual comedy. You know, I was always the one that wrote characters at SNL. So I wrote a lot Mm -hmm. of recurring characters that that Debbie Downer. I have it in my notes. And and the cheerleaders and Bobby and Marty and a lot of those kind of things. And I always called them joyful losers is like (laughs) they in themselves in their own world were like killing it, you know, like they were. And, and yet to the world, they were the ones that people would laugh at or make fun of, but they're, they were so pure of heart is that's my favorite kind of people in the world. It's my favorite. But when it gets into like really conceptual comedy, like, you know, I can appreciate it and I can, I can appreciate clever comedy. I can watch all different forms of it and appreciate it. But when it comes to me consuming it, like I just, I really do love, I love the, the just silly, joyful stuff so much better. Cause it, it just, like I said, it's inclusive. It feels, it doesn't feel like someone's being left out of it because you don't get it or you don't get the reference yeah. or you don't understand. It's just so buttoned up. I don't, you know, I don't like stuffy, stuffy comedy. Yeah. I like Big smart surprise. comedy that gives you a way to access it, you know? And I think, yes. um, especially with live entertainment, you've got to, you've got to prep your audience early enough in what you're doing. You've got to give them the tools they need to access all the information. And if you withhold, if you withhold that and think to yourself, like if they don't get it, they're not smart enough. It's like, actually, if they don't get it, maybe you haven't given them the framing device or the tools or or what they're going to need to get it. And maybe you haven't done enough work as a writer, you know? (laughs) And also like, you're not there to, to be served by them. You're there to, to, give them joy and then they give it back to you and you know a thousand fold if you're performing live especially but like I hate I hate when people judge their audiences so much and just like you know want their audience to come up to them in some sort of intellectual way and it's just like you know I don't know it's just never been my cup of tea and and I came from a family that was like sometimes they were funny and they didn't know they were being funny and sometimes Mm -hmm. they were funny and they 100% knew it and they're they're just funny souls, you know? So I just like, I like being, I'd rather be a funny person than a non-funny person saying clever things. (laughs) (laughs) Stitch that on a pillow. (laughs) Well, Paula, I have had such a wonderful time talking to you. I was so excited about this. Um, I I messaged you on Instagram. Oh my God. Uh, I was, we set it up through text message. It it was just, it was so, um, laissez-faire. I'm going to just start messaging everyone. Be like, Hey, great (laughs) moment in my rom-com of my own inside world. I was like, I came out and I went, yes, you just messaged me. And I, I have had such a love fest with you without you even knowing it for so long because Janine knew of you so well and she we watched all stars and and she was like have you ever watched the scene because she's so well versed in in uh-huh. in drag race and she was like have you ever watched jinx's season and i'm like no and so we we just binged the hell out of it like about six <laughs> six months ago and i just i just think you're a truly special hilarious person wonderful oh, well. wonderful soul 
Thank so, you so much. And I here's hope I can to meet us you being someday. on set together. Me too. Yes. I, oh I already told you. You got tickets to the holiday show. We'll be oh in New York. God. We got two days. I do have compulsory questions I ask every guest. Yes. So if you're ready for them, I'm they're going to come your them. way. First question, who is your celebrity crush today? Celebrity crush. Oh, um, I have. Oh, Isabella Rossellini is always a big crush <gasps> of mine. I always love her. Isabella Rossellini will always be like in my Mount Olympus in my mind because of the role she played in Death Becomes Her, which is my all-time favorite movie. And of in a movie full of amazing performances by top-notch actors, Isabella Rossellini is a standout and probably the most quotable character from that film. So love her, love her, love her. Really great answer, Paula. (laughs) Love her. Next question. Are you spiritual? Yes, I'm very spiritual. I was very Catholic when I was growing up, and I still have a very deep sense of a higher power and sort Mm -hmm. of a power around me. Um, And I love the, and I think through my animals and everything, I feel a deep spiritual connection to the world, to nature, Mm -hmm. and um, which is good because we live in the fucking woods. Um, so, uh, I, yes, I feel a very deep sense of that. There's a bigger, bigger something out there for sure. So a lesbian's amount of witchcraft in your life, (laughs) your average lesbian's amount of witchcraft. Yes. An average amount, you know, there's some crystals, there's some burning of things, but uh, there's not sacrifices. A lesbian's worth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some weird burlap bowls. Listen, you know, I'm from I'm from Portland. If there's two things I know, it's lesbians and witchcraft. I um, told you but- you have to come see us sometime in the in the witch in the lesbian compound. We have our friends uh living here now across the yard and next to us, and they are veterinarians, and it's like a uh, veterinarian and a vet tech. And they and we just keep talking about our compound. We're just going to keep uh, growing it. Collecting. Um, I mean, I've got yeah. a housemate building a tiny house in in my backyard. We're going to have to. <laughs> we only got the corner property, but we're going to have to start building upwards. I think <laughs> building up. Yes, and yeah. below. Just get the digger yeah, and, and start digging. I just walked by a house the other day. I thought they were building a pool. They're building a below ground tiny house. Can you imagine? I feel the innovations. Like the, the ground is going to just crumble like i would be so scared to take <laughs> They've out been the working on it like for that. years um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um my final question for you is what is your go-to karaoke song oh my god this is one very funny thing about me uh, you would think i would love karaoke i do not care for <laughs> karaoke i don't know why there's something about it i don't like the kind of karaoke mad personalities that there like, is have a, their things there's so a, loaded up there's a, it always oh the politics around karaoke uh, my husband just, loves karaoke yeah. 
And sometimes I go with him and just watch his heart be broken as song after song goes by and he doesn't get called up. And I'm like, this is hard to watch, honey. Yeah, there's something there's <laughs> something about it that, to me that's like got just a weird edge to it. And then I also, I always ended up, if I ever do karaoke, first of all, I have an anxiety attack looking through the 4,000 t- titles. <laughs> and then I would always end up with the most maudlin Broadway song that I would sing while people stared off and like considered their death where I'm like, I have never felt like this for once I'm lost for words. And like everyone's staring off like, do you want to get a, should we get a drink? I'll go get a drink and you get a drink. You just hear people like talking around you and like silverware and everything. And it's like, because I just, I just can't, I don't know what it is. I can't get up there and just be like, you know, yeah. doing some crazy <laughs> attempt to be square. I just can't, I can't sell it. I don't know what it is. So um, we're going to, so that's my answer on karaoke. Unexpected song. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> now, it, when we do finally meet in person, we will go get, do karaoke and only sing the saddest fucking songs on earth. I, I hope you're familiar with um, the very funny Cola Scola. But if you look up Cola Scola, look up Cola Scola as Bernadette Peters. And they do Bernadette Peters singing unexpected songs, swinging their arms around. It's hilarious. You're going to love it. I have never seen that. And I love so much. You're going to love it. I got got to look that up. Yeah. I love it so much. I often tell people that I have a VHS tape of Bernadette Peters after Robert Preston died. And, and it was the Tonys in the eighties sometime. And she came walking out into a spotlight and started singing, um, uh, time heals everything Tuesday, Thursday. And she did one of those Bernadette Peters pooling like Barbara Streisand (laughs) can do too, where they pool the tears and then they just wait. Wait, pooling, 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 cartoon pooling, and then, but loving you. And they just release <laughs> the tear down the neck. Like it goes down uh-huh. over the face and down into the decolletage. And into the decolletage. You just can't get enough. Uh, uh, well, well, it's been a total pleasure. I love talking to you. And I just think you're pure, pure delight. It's been absolutely wonderful. Um, Do you want to tell my listeners where they can find you on social media? Sure. um, If I can remember. I almost (laughs) gave my email. I swear to God. I'm such a dumbass. I almost went, it's Paula. And I almost gave my fucking email. I almost doxed myself. Is that what they call it? Uh, I, I doxed my terms. Paula. I doxed myself on my birthday on accident. Oh my god! Can you believe oh that? I wanted I wanted to thank Bianca Del Rio for the nice flowers she sent me. So I posted a picture of the flowers she sent me to my Instagram story, not taking out the card with my full legal name and address. Uh, it on Instagram with my dogs <laughs> with my address on on their tag. Um, and then I repost it with like a blurry tag. Um, anyway, uh, yes, I'm per, I'm Pelpix on Instagram, P-I-X, Pelpix, and I'm Perlapel on, uh, on Twitter. And, Wonderful. and, uh, I'm finally starting to get back to Twitter and enjoy, I, for many years, I was just, you know, calling, uh, calling, uh, all those Republican blondes, filthy <laughs> names. Uh, uh- and yes. um and uh, uh 
I had yeah. my stint on Twitter of just, just really, vicious. I was just like, rage. oh, and I knew, I knew I was doing something right when Kirstie Alley blocked me. Um, <laughs> I want to, I just want to get back. So I make myself every, you know, a couple times a week, I make myself just go on there and talk about something dumb and just try to get back to it. Cause for years it was like a video game for comedy writers. It was so fun. <laughs> yeah. And then, you yeah. know, and then things happened in our world and it became a, a very difficult place to uh, find joy. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for everything. I love talking to you. <laughs> I really, I really well, need to go. No. There's, some, there's a <laughs> delivery here. No, I just realized I'm like, I don't want to create a, a way too long podcast for you that no. you're going to have to carve been, up. You, no, you've been perfect. I just can't thank you enough. Paula Pell, we worship you in this household. You can see Paula Pell on 30 Rock, AP Bio, uh, cameos through countless shows, and currently starring in Girls 5 Eva, a fantastic, hilarious show. Thank you so much, Paula Pell. Thank you, beautiful, beautiful Jinx. And uh, my wife and I absolutely worship you too. So back at you. <laughs> much love. And thank you all so much for listening to Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday. So make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx. Oh. Mom. To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad-free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.